who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Welcome to Frau Pow, where your hosts, Odd and Rags. So this week we interview Seltzer Squad. Um, Seltzer Squad is co-hosted by Jess and Kate. Um... Jess is a native New Yorker, a dog mom, and a girl boss. She um, owns her own tattoo studio. She makes really awesome tattoos. You should really check her out. Um, And Kate is a native North Dakotan cat mom, wannabe van lifer. Um, She is a freelancer who works on various creative projects. She also does a lot of really cool work. Um, And their podcast, Seltzer Squad, is about creating a community um, of sober people of and young sober people in the city. Um, they wanted to make this project so they could help create a space so um, people who don't want to go out and get drunk can get together and um, support each other through sobriety. Also, on that note, um, not have, having nothing to do with sobriety, um, Rags unfortunately could not make it to this wonderful interview um sad face (laughs) so you'll just be listening to my beautiful voice during it um but she was there in spirit happy face uh first of all thanks for having us on yeah Yeah, just so i mean your audience knows but we're like in a fancy room for us (laughs) this is like fancy um, there's like soundproofing. In yeah, there. there's like soundproofing. It feels legit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Kate. I am co-host of the Seltzer Squad, a podcast about staying sober in the city that I started with Jess here. Mm-hmm. And we're just I mean, our tagline is, is we drink seltzer, we talk shit and we don't pee the bed anymore. Yeah. So that kind of covers. Yeah. Basically, there and everywhere. Basically, um, you well, Kate's been sober for about what four years now. It'll be four soon. Yeah. yeah. This time around, one year, and you know, uh, we don't really 
tr- uh, subscribe to like AA or anything like that. And we wanted to kind of just, you know, hold ourselves accountable and um, just not do everything the way that everyone thinks that you're supposed to do it. And like the word alcoholic to us, you think of like a gross, like, old bum on the street Mm -hmm. drinking out of a paper bag and we're like no we're like young we're professional and we're just trying to like have drinking problems we have fucking drinking problems oh can we curse yeah okay sorry absolutely (laughs) we have drinking problems so it kind of just started for fun like something for us to do yeah and then i think it kind of grew we didn't realize that there are so many other people that feel the same way and don't want to do AA or like, you know, they're young females who mm-hmm. just don't also feel comfortable walking into like a basement room with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. So also, yeah. I think huge shout out to Hambone, our producer, because he really kind of got the wheels turning for you, at least, Jess, about like, yeah, do you want to start a podcast? And she sort of landed on sobriety and then it sort of snowballed from there. So we have to give him like mad props for yeah. obviously making it happen every single week. But yeah, he like came up to me and was like, hey, I'm like wanting to produce some podcast. Do you have any ideas? I'm like, no. But in my head, I'm like, well, I do have an idea. But like, I don't know. It's kind of like I'm Scary. shy in the beginning because it, there's so much stigma around drinking or, you know, not drinking or having a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. So now we're just trying to kind of smash the stigma and be like, yeah, you can still have fun and be like a normal person. You don't have to like be drinking until four o'clock in the morning every night. Yeah. That's pretty much that. Yeah. Just talking about it, I think. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we're, there aren't enough resources for people that aren't going down a traditional recovery route. Right, exactly. And so I think just us talking about it, like like you said before, it holds us accountable. But mm-hmm. also we get like overwhelming support both ways. Like we're, we're supportive of our squad and they're also super supportive of us. So I don't think like I would feel this comfortable in my sobriety without them and the podcast for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I would maybe have like any fuck ups. Right. I don't know. I don't yeah. even want to think about it because <laughs> yeah, totally. it's so bad. Like when I drink, it gets so bad. So quick. Yeah. yeah. I'm like really fun for like three hours and then they're like, oh my God, someone got just out of here. Yeah. But yeah, so that's pretty much what we do besides yeah. from like our normal work jobs and stuff. I tattoo. I have a private studio in Brooklyn and you I do. I don't know a, what you do. I'm a creative director yeah. consultant, I guess. I do anything Pretty much for money. Yeah. I still don't know I what that means. Yeah. I'm like, if you have green money, I will help you. Like, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so how did you guys meet originally? At the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we mm-hmm. met at the bar. We both worked at the same bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we worked there at different times, but she would come and drink when I still worked there. And then I didn't work there anymore. And then she worked there and then I would come drink. And that's pretty much how it happened. <laughs> the bar, I mean, I'm sure everybody has a neighborhood bar in their life. It was kind of like this legacy bar that like <laughs> one, one in, one out. And so Jess worked there and then my best friend took her spot and then I took my best friend's spot. <laughs> yeah. And so it was kind of like we kept it in the, the family. revolving door. Yeah. And we're all relatively still pretty close, like considering, yeah. you know, we all know each other still pretty well at mm-hmm. this point. But yeah, I just was always like this very intimidating character to me in what? Jersey City. What? <laughs> I did not know this. You're so. very like outgoing. That was the alcohol. Everyone yeah. knows that like I'm not as outgoing. <laughs> OK, fair. That, you know, I think it, you're like have an energy about you. That's very magnetic. Um. <laughs> I did not pay her before this, but whatever. Yeah. So I think, I mean, we have a lot in common, but we didn't really get close until like 
we got sober. Until we got sober the first mm-hmm. time, for yeah. both of us really, and then kind of both of us kind of came around again, and then yeah. the podcast has obviously brought us much, much closer. Yeah, because we had that in common, and I think too, like you were in really early sobriety when we started the podcast for the second I time. I was, yeah. So we did like sober stuff, and you had like a super sober squad that before everyone had moved, mm-hmm. like we were doing sober stuff pretty yeah. much all the time. I mean, yeah. we still are, but it was like <laughs> yeah. much more intentionally. Yeah, like, I was like looking for any sort of like activity mm-hmm. or like just mm-hmm. shit to do because the first time I had really gotten sober, I was still going out to the bars all mm-hmm. the time. I like I wasn't changing yeah. my routine and I still was doing drugs. I did a lot of cocaine when I was what I was calling sober. <laughs> so, uh finally I then I started drinking again. I'm like, "Okay, I think I like need to cut out everything i don't think i can just go around doing drugs and calling myself sober and i was still out until like five o'clock in the morning um so yeah like like kate was saying i definitely was like what can we do that's like not involved in going to a bar because i feel like in the city everything revolves around bars and it's not to say that grabbing drinks let's grab a drink at the bar let's just meet up at the bar before the show yeah and it's just like it's you know it's not even something you think about. It's just like you meet at the bar, just what we do. Um, and I needed to kind of start backing away from that a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Not to say I can't go to bars. I go to yeah. bars yeah. if I have to for like someone's birthday. For the but now for the most part, um, it's something that I thought I would miss, and I don't miss it. No, I don't miss all. it at all. It's so nice. It to took be a in while bed though. By like ten. <laughs> it took a while though. It took a really long time to get over to... the FOMO. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because you change your whole entire way of life. Like mm-hmm. my routine was going yeah. to the bar every night till what two three a.m. Coming home, eating. Makes me really watching. tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my partner um doesn't drink. Okay. Um, and has never drank and oh, wow. um and so I have never really had to like experience that sort of lifestyle because we moved here together okay okay and um i mean i've been out to bars before like when i was like in college um but coming here like i work for a nonprofit, and he is a doctoral student so we have no money yeah and he doesn't drink (laughs) and so we were just we just have like a Go home and like watch Netflix. Yeah. 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 And I do have friends though that like go out and I'm like, where do you get all this money from? And also like I'm very tired listening to this story about how you stay down to six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like to sleep. No. Yes, it is the best. And you have so much more money when you don't drink because shit is expensive in the city. So it's so expensive. expensive. Yeah. I went to a bar. Even mocktails. I'm like, I know. I was gonna say I had a (laughs) non-alcoholic beer and it was eight dollars. I'm like I literally bought a six pack of this for $6.50. I'm like, at no Wagmans. fair. Yeah, like, <laughs> no. So, yeah, but you find the money when, like, that's yes, all you're course, doing. Totally. Yeah. you're prioritizing that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I could spend less on books and, like, more on alcohol right. if I chose to. Yeah. But yeah. that's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Books is way better. Books mm-hmm. are way better. Way better. <laughs> books is way better. <laughs> Kate Sander. <laughs> um, I think, too, for me, like, just kind of having this podcast as a platform for me personally has helped a lot. Like I'm more introverted and mm. just even like admit out loud to, you know, we were assuming no one was listening that yeah. it just kind of felt good to get that off my chest, which I think a lot of our squad reaches out. And I think it's just kind of a relief that they were able to tell somebody and yeah. even just be accountable to us, which yeah, we get I a lot of that huge. 
I noticed a lot of DMs. I noticed that you actually answered a lot of DMs. I've today. been yeah, I've been <laughs> catching up. We get we get quite a lot of uh, yeah. DMs, but every once in a while, I'll like find a pocket of time to like yeah get in the zone of refine. The only hard to thing everybody. is um, a lot of people like act as if we're their therapist, yeah. and Ooh, it's like yeah. we are not. We are not schooled on how to deal no. with anyone's shit. All yeah. we can do we can is give advice, like, but like we can't give, you know, we not, always preface even, everything oh, with yeah. like, you not should a find a therapist, yeah, find a support yeah. group, yeah. find a professional, yeah. find somebody to bounce this off to. And what we've done in our experience is like, I was just sure like, this is what has worked for me in the past. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no rules to, be to getting, there are no rules anyone. to getting sober. I think that's like one of the pillars of our podcast is like, I think the, the thing that we talk about the most is our therapist. Yeah. Jess and I have the same therapist, but we do not go to therapy yeah. together. I saw so, that you were there today and then I, I had a phone there. interview with her today. Yeah. So um, so we like can't really can't say enough about Nance. So we call our therapist Nance. Yeah. Um and that's our number one advice. Like still oh, absolutely. To almost like, I mean, every for single anyone person. Anyone that is sober existing. or not. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love my therapist. Mm-hmm. It's hard because a lot of people have to pay out of pocket. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, I can't afford it. And it's like, well, you're affording booze. So if you take that money, and I know that's like easy for me to say. It's not everyone's reality. Yeah. I understand that. But it's hard. You kind of have to just learn how to prioritize yourself. If, you know, and I feel like that's like, for me, my number one. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like sober or not sober, like, oh, I need fucking, I need therapy. Yeah. Yeah. The advice thing is hard because you want to yeah. help people. That's why I went to out. Yeah, because it seems like you could be really quickly like like a burnout. Because I I am um, trained as a social worker Mm -hmm. and I um, am very easily like switch into that role of like therapist, like listening and with my friends and my partner. And it gets like exhausting. Like that's not like you're not my job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure you get so fatigued from just like hearing other people's stuff. It's like right. they want to put it all in on yeah. you. And I think too, like there are so many programs that we champion, like in our squad resources. Like there are so many alternatives now to AA that we can't speak mm-hmm. enough of. Like we're really we're a lot of female centric. Like, yeah, like I wouldn't say mm-hmm. we're really close with the Tempest girls, but like we know them really well mm-hmm. and we recommend their their program, which is backed by therapists, which is backed by doctors. So you know, it's like you guys can take our advice for what it's worth. Like we're covering these topics to just share our experience. Right. But yeah. at the end of the day, like you need 100 percent. You need a Nance in your corner to navigate all of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like mandatory. Yeah. Like we go. We love therapy so much. We like I put it in a highlight reel on our Instagram that. because it's just like that important. It's so important to my life. Drinking sober or not sober. Yeah, definitely. Um, What has been the most surprising thing to come out of the podcast? That people like it. <laughs> yeah. I think me, we just kind of did it for ourselves. Like yeah. we didn't think it was going to like go anywhere. Right. And it's been really well received. I think we've only been out for a year and it's grown pretty, pretty quickly. I'd say. Yeah. Right. But I think it's because we realize that there's a lack in in um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I, we're just telling the truth. I think. Yeah. That, we're, like. There's also a space for it. Like there, I think what you're, there was like space, not space in the market, but it was lacking. There, yeah. There's not enough resources for people that are in recovery that aren't doing a traditional recovery. And I just, Absolutely. I think that it's like, 
for women, it's so much, it's way more shameful. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something that women ever talk about. And so I would say what, like 90% of our listeners, if not more are female. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like a safe space for women. And um, yeah, I I guess I think the most surprising thing though is that people actually like ask us for advice. And it's like, I am a fuck up. Like I I do not know. Like we really like... (laughs) Yeah. Disclaim that in the beginning. Like yeah. we just talk shit and we don't, we really just talk shit and don't pee the bed. Yeah. I don't anymore. Anymore. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just that how I guess successful it is. Yeah. I don't know if that's like what we're doing. I is think for me, it's also successful. been really helpful for me because I, it's like helped me find my voice in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like it's helped me kind of really be confident in my sobriety. Absolutely. And then also be protective of the other people that are listening who maybe like aren't as steady on their feet yet. Yeah. That mm-hmm. like we're here to show like not like a result of getting sober because it's a process for us forever. But it's just at least if we can be like a leader in some way to be like, yeah, like I still have a job and, you know, I still have a social life and I'm happy like 72 yeah. percent of the time. Like, you know what I mean? I think <laughs> it's just like pretty like good it's for just, the average. Right. Human yeah, so like, <laughs> exactly. Um, but also it's just kind of I feel like recently and I was talking to Nance about this today is that. So I read we are interviewing two um amazing sober writers and so they gave us a copy of their book and I read one book and it like has totally knocked me on my ass and I was talking to Nance and I was like dude I feel like I'm back like back at square one with sobriety like oh I feel like baby sober all of a sudden and she was like yeah there's a there's kind of levels to it like you're one you're like in survival mode you're Mm. two you're kind of you know you're getting progress you're creating new patterns and she's like you're three you tend to regress and I was like what like, can this year get any worse? <laughs> but it's like so interesting. But I think like I never would have. I don't think that would have been brought to my awareness. Like, had it not be for the podcast and mm. just like mm. also just the year of us recording all of these things and going through all of these things and then reading her and book, hearing, kind of triggering like, this. Like, oh, that's so interesting. Not quote unquote. I guess it is a regression, but it's just kind of like for me, I'm kind of going back to. I guess look at everything again mm-hmm. not me like maybe there's more like maybe there's more like work to do but i haven't finished the books yet i'm yeah. still on them uh i think that it's also just for my personal whatever i want people to know that sober doesn't equal boring yeah because i think that that's i mean i definitely thought that before like oh sober oh, all what right do do? boring yeah but it's like actually not like a couple people have told me they're like you're so much more fun now that you're sober. I'm like, what? No way! Like, no, seriously. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because when I was drunk, I was like, I'm the life of the party. And then you're like, I don't know if you guys no. like follow Jess, but Jess does fun shit all the time. Jess, <laughs> like, Jess is fucking everywhere, doing all the things. That's very. You're like, go, she's going out for dinner. She's going to a concert. Like, yeah, but like, you have fun, is what I mean. I'm not okay. like trying you to do say fun that you're, I guess, you're, you know, you're but not you boring. like go places and do things. I'm more of a homebody, sure. but you're like, yeah. you go I'm becoming and more of a homebody now. You go now. enjoy. And it's like, also fine if you are a homebody. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine bec- with that. Yeah. yeah, I'm becoming more of a homebody. And I don't know if it's like an age thing, a server sure. thing, or like a nesting thing. But yeah. even just last week, I had tickets to like a concert. And I was like, I don't really want to go. And we just, <laughs> we just stayed in and watched mm-hmm. TV. And I'm like, this is nice. We made the right choice. Yeah. You know, I'm just like. I took a nap before I came here. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but I'm definitely becoming more of an 
a homebody. But me like being sober, I realized that I am a homebody and it was kind of forcing me to be out all the time and be social all the time, which was like compounding my social anxiety that now Mm. I'm like, cool. I'm like totally okay with being a homebody and not seeing that many people. Mm -hmm. Like and being sober for that is just so many more baths. So many more baths. All the baths. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I take a lot of baths. Yeah. Really nice. I was supposed to take one, but I fell asleep before I came. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have been listening to your podcast for a little bit. And um, your producer um, told you guys that he is sober now. And he mm-hmm. wasn't at the beginning. He was oh, not. Correct. So yeah. how did that make you feel? I was like, oh, good for you. I was so happy for him. I mean, I'm so happy for Hambo. And like, I think he seems... So much more empowered in his current like headspace. Mm, that yeah. I I mean, I didn't know Hambone pre podcast. You did, but I like did, yeah. I only know that like in the time that I've known him, which is a little over a year now, that like I've seen a total one eighty and just like his confidence level of pursuing this like new life sober. He's like having like a whole yeah. glow up and I've known him for probably the better part of 10 years and I've gone out with you know I've, we've been out and at bars and stuff but I never knew that he was like had a, an issue if mm-hmm. you will and that could be just that I was always drunker or right. mm-hmm. I just never saw him like towards the end of the night or or at the frequency yeah, you just never that he really drank. know mm-hmm, yeah. yeah so I never knew that he had like an issue and then one day he like kept it a secret for like a little bit where he just told Kate. Yeah. And um, he was secret sober for like a minute as as I I like I don't I can't say recommend because now I feel like I have a complex about it. But I'm like, if you it's kind of nice to keep it to yourself just mm-hmm. until you feel a little bit more steady on your feet, which yeah. is what I think he was trying to suss yeah, out if for you himself. Fuck up yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. No, I get that. So when he told us, I was like, so proud of him. Hambone's like a really unique anomaly, though, in the fact that he's already implementing like he's been in therapy for a while now. So I feel like he already has so many of the tools like he's very in touch and communicative of how he's feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, That I think that's why he's like soaring so quickly in sobriety is because he's already in touch with a lot of those feelings and like ready to kind of take action on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And so I don't I mean, I'm just super proud of him because I just feel like he seems so much more in a like confident mindset. Mm-hmm. And then too, just like being brave enough to share your story on our platform, which, like you said, is predominantly female. Mm-hmm. You know, like his episode really helped a lot of people. Like we got a lot of feedback of people that were just excited to hear it from his perspective and could see themselves in him. So I'm like proud of him that he was like, yeah, stepping up and wanting to share as and well. And he's just like such a good dude. Yeah, he's like such a great he's person. He's one of the good ones. So. Mm-hmm. And do you think that um, being a part of your podcast helped him on that journey to becoming sober? Yeah. I think, yeah. unfortunately, like he has to listen to us over and over while yeah. he's Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know when you're like yeah. producing, you're over and over again. Yeah, so. he's like, you he guys are in said- my head all week long. <laughs> yeah. So like, I think, yeah, I'm sure at some level that resonates. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> like just hearing certain things would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I think that it's it's mostly, it's pretty relatable content. You know, we yeah. just talk about our fucked up life. So yeah, <laughs> uh, shit we've learned. Yeah. And he knew that like we're a safe space to talk yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. I think he told us before most of his friends, mm-hmm. obviously, 
So now he's doing really well. And I'm yeah. really proud of him. A bunch of people have gotten he's sober in the squad. Since, like mm-hmm. we have so many friends that are not sober that like listen just to be supportive friends and mm-hmm. stuff and probably hear listen to hear if we talk mm-hmm. about them. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and um a lot of them have been like, you know, I like slowed down a bit or whatever. Like that like made sense. And that's really cool. My fiance's gotten sober since then. Mm. That's been really good for our relationship. Um yeah, it's just, I don't know, It's it's been good. My husband and I were talking the other day, like yesterday actually, about kind of like when he was in a weird, he was just kind of feeling bad about himself and mm-hmm. feeling in a weird headspace. And he, you know, he was like, yeah, I just realized that I was like coming home and just turning to like pouring myself a drink as kind of just a way to like bookend the day and like mm. stop feeling yeah. whatever discomfort I was feeling. And yeah. I think like, like we've always said, you know, like normie, not normie, whatever level you are at with your drinking. Like if you suspect that like something isn't right there, like it's time to take a step back and assess. And I think a lot of our friends have yeah, taken that advice, at least in recognizing. Yeah, because not everyone needs to like drinking. stop drinking. No, right. Some people like, hey, maybe you drink a little excessively. Mm-hmm. And like it's just it's easy to get caught up in that, I think. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. Yes. It's just like we were saying, everything's like, I made at the bar, made at the bar, made at the bar. You know how many times I've gotten accidentally drunk? Like I was on my way home, like with laundry or something. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, my, my friend's bartender, let me like, pop in just to say hi. And, and then, then they put a drink in front of you. And, <laughs> yeah. Someone steals all your shit. Well, yeah, yeah pretty much. I've lost a lot, of, yeah. a lot of things drunk, a lot of dignity. But um, yeah, so... I don't know, yeah. man. I mean, I th- I always tell people like if you think you if you think you have a drinking problem, you, you might probably have a drinking a problem. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like there's a there's a huge difference between my husband and I. Like he will put the beer down with beer left still in the can at like the, his second beer. He'll like leave it on. The, he'll walk away and go home and go to sleep. Oh, and really? Not think about that beer. I would just he, like finish. And I think about the beer them, even like, that's as a wasteful. sober person. I think about the beer being on the table half full. I know I'm not going to drink it, but I still think about it being there. So I know that there's a difference between my brain and his brain. So yeah, I don't have that thing that's like time no. to stop. Mm-mm. Like mm-hmm. yeah, there's no like, satisfied level. Of I'm alcohol drunk in my body. Most people like I'm drunk. I should like go home or like switch to water. I'm like I'm drunk. Let's do shots and buy the bar around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or and like get naked and yeah. I don't know. Usually for me, it would just be like I would end up like silently crying somewhere. <laughs> fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> Sobbing into like a dominant yeah, pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alone, though. I always waited till I was at least alone. That's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have tact at least. Yeah. 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 Not me. I hit it. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Um, so sort of uh, along the same lines, um, what do you all think, maybe from your own experiences or from hearing from your quad, um, what is the hardest thing about being sober as a young person in the city it's so hard to be in early sobriety mm-hmm. i think like period yeah i think that's 95 percent of the people that reach out to us are in that first sort like of, 90-ish days yep and making that transition of it's the beginning of like losing your whole social life while you're like doing something you see you feel ashamed about right like you come to terms with the fact that you have an issue you like decide to quit you feel immense immense shame yeah you have no coping mechanisms now and your social scene is starting to like the candle is like slowly blowing out and i think that's where a lot of people come to us mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people ask us how to make friends in sobriety mm-hmm. because yeah. you realize 
your phone stops ringing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll- first, people still expect you to go out. And then like. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people will be like, you're fine. You don't yeah, have a problem. Yeah. Like, yes. you know mm-hmm. how it goes. Like peer pressure-y. Yeah. Um, and then I think, like you said, if you start to like decline invitations, mm-hmm. then people stop inviting you out. Mm-hmm. But also, I think Kate kind of touched on this. When you don't have that drink, you're having these feelings and you have to feel them. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was always like I drank to like self-medicate, to numb out, to like not think about shit that was going on in my life. And like you have to ha- face it head on when mm-hmm. you're not drinking. So it's like that in just in addition to like your whole it's it's really doing a 180. It's like quitting yeah. a job or like something like everything in your life is going to change. Your whole and life will change. Your it whole won't happen life at one, will change. It won't happen at once, but like it will 150%. It's change. a whole lifestyle change and I think that the first time I got sober I didn't really I wasn't ready for that. Mm-mm. Yeah. And the second time I'm like okay, you're going to lose certain friends, you're going to find out who really is your friend and who's really not. Mm-hmm. And then that everything kind of falls into place. But in the beginning, especially if you're young, it's so scary. Um, like I had a, my friend who actually does roller derby. She got sober at 20. Um, mm-hmm. And That's so young, so young, but yeah. like good for her to like realize like, Hey, I'm going down a bad path. Like maybe I should not do what I'm doing. And it's funny because she wasn't even old enough to go to get into bars yet, even though she was going to bars. So um, Emily from the temper, she was, I think, 24 when she got sober. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are doing it younger. And it's like, yeah, what do you do? Because that's what all your friends do at that age is just go to the bar. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, you know, find a hobby. Do this. You know, like. Actually, you know, she, my friend who I was just talking about, who's 20, she moved to Scotland recently and she rejoined roller derby because she's like, I need to do something and mm-hmm. I need to make friends and I not need to like not just be at home all the time and I'm not going to go to a bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like finding little things. For us, it was starting a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think too, like your ego's caught up in a lot in the beginning of like, there's like half of you that's really ashamed, but then the other half is sort of like still telling yourself that story of like what alcohol, like you're still kind of caught a little bit. I like have, romancing I, it a little bit. Yeah, I have somebody who I'm like a family member who's in a super early recovery and like hit a pretty, hit a, hit a bottom recently. And, you know, he was like asking me for advice. And I just said, you know, you are one of those people that is always funny. You're super sarcastic. You're spot on with dry humor. But I have to point out that like, you are using that as a coping mechanism and you have to kind of like ditch that when you get into recovery. Like you can't be too cool for recovery mm-hmm. because otherwise it's not going to work. Like you mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you have to take it on the chin for a little while to like eat shit and like you said, feel some feelings and yeah. like be vulnerable for 15 minutes. And like if you are going to try to like be jokey and like be outsmart your way in, out mm-hmm. of sobriety, like it's not going to work. And like you definitely have to reach out to your friends mm-hmm. and that's for me and like that doesn't come natural like my yeah. thing is like let's go to the bar and get drinks like I don't like hey can I like come over and just hang out for a little mm-hmm. bit but when you know I lived alone and so I would have nights where I'm just like really sad and lonely and mm-hmm. I would have to do that so it's like you kind of have to like you yeah. said take it on the chin but like just it's a lot of going outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of going outside your comfort zone. So like whether I would call you or call a Natalie, like one mm-hmm. of my friends or something, but just like you got to reach out. I think that's a thing. The other thing too is like the risks, like 
right? Stepping outside of your comfort zone, the yeah. risks get, they get, you get immune to them, right? Like, so mm-hmm. then you, you don't feel as weird. You know, you pick up a new hobby. Like if I join roller derby, like, yeah, I'm going to feel like a idiot for the first two times, three times. Sure. But then like, I'll rem- somebody will remember me. And by the fourth time, like, it's not going to be weird. There might even be someone newer than me. At yeah, that of course. Point. Like yeah. feeling all kinds of stupid or uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. like sobriety is just doing that over and over and over. <laughs> it but sounds the like other me thing- in like every yoga class. I'm yes, like, every yeah, time exactly. I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. Yes. And everyone's like really woo woo. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like not into it. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, I'm like taking it seriously. Yes. I'm like, okay, actually, they sort of have a point. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like these little baby outside your comfort zones. And then like I love to look at you as the example of like taking larger steps outside your comfort zone, like opening your own studio. Like mm. it's almost like you build up a tolerance to the weirdness that you would have felt. Yeah. Numbing out. Right. Sure, like sure. all the anxiety. It like, becomes your new normal. Yes. Is doing things that are. Yeah. yeah. And so by risks, taking these risks and like actually being healthy about them, like yeah. but then you're, the rewards are usually way bigger, way better. bigger. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I said, it, like, would you even imagine your life to be the way that it is? No, if I was still drinking, hell, hell no. no. I've done so much in like the past like year. Yeah, that I there was no way I would have done any of that stuff when I was sober. No. Um, drinking. Yes, drinking. So, <laughs> <laughs> let me reiterate that. But yeah, like I know it sounds really cheesy and like, but I, it really sobriety has really been so good for like. It'll me. like blow your mind in ways that you didn't even realize. Like it puts you on, it like puts you on some sort of like accelerated track to better shit. I don't yeah. know what that <laughs> is all the time. I for mean, maybe everybody, it's just but it's just like it gives you being vulnerable. Yeah, honestly, like mm-hmm. I mean, I know for me, I mean, just in this like past couple of years, I've realized that, um, you know, I don't have alcohol, um, in my life because of my partner, mm-hmm. um, really, and. But I still have those like same like bad coping mechanisms and I've been numbing out and it's really like I went into therapy one time and I was like, I think I've been depressed for like three Mm. months. My therapist was like, yeah, yeah, you have (laughs) get it together. Yeah. Like you have to be vulnerable and you have to Mm -hmm. be willing to take those risks and like open up and like do that emotional processing Mm -hmm. that you're talking about. And so with or without alcohol, I think it's like. It's the just that practice of being vulnerable and open really open mm-hmm. to things which is you know as someone who's like trained in mental health I was like I'm doing that like whatever um and not actually doing it yeah well that's the thing that's like how we were talking about you know sometimes people will switch to everything like non-alcoholic so they're technically sober but they're still having the same exact routines they're just mm. um replacing it with like a non-alcoholic beer mm-hmm. and they're not actually doing the work because it's right. like mm. you're drinking for a reason. So let's like figure out the reason and then we can like work on that. So that's kind of like I think what they call like a dry drunk. Right? Yeah. I mean, addiction shows up in so many different ways. So right? many like, different ways. Like I definitely I'm a, I have an addictive personality, like point same. blank. And I was doing I became very um like Kate Eats and then I online shop. Like yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. have replaced it with other stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not fixed. Yeah. But. But these things aren't ruining my life the way drinking and and Coke was. Um, So that's good, I guess. You have to like take it with a grain of salt, right? And the thing is like, I'm not spiritual. And I think a lot of people assume when you get sober, it's like. Because you have 12 steps. 
Yeah. yeah. And like, I couldn't be further from that shit. Like, people are like, oh, like your journey and stuff. I'm like, Ugh, yeah. Like, I cringe when I hear I certain know. words, but we ha- we use them because it's just easy. Yeah. But like you were saying, like, very like woo woo. It's like, no, I just like, I just don't drink. Like, yeah. It's really not that big of a deal. I feel my feelings and I don't drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have more money. Mm-hmm. So I spend it on. I shit. think the thing, too, to point out is that like, you don't need to like be in sobriety to take risks and go outside your comfort Mm -hmm. zone I think so being for me being sober helped me feel confident enough to start to take bigger steps right like so that could be just not being hungover for work for 45 days means like I might have the balls to go talk to my boss about something versus like being in a shame pit for 45 days because I've been hungover for like 41 of those 45 Mm -hmm. days like Mm -hmm. it just like it will push you in the right direction to it it will lead to better things because you just like the shame will fade and the confidence grows and then mm-hmm. you'll start kind of getting clearer and clearer on things and, and then just start asking normal. for them. And like, yeah, Nance has really been hard on me this year about boundaries, which is i.e. asking for the shit that you want the way yeah. that you want it. And yeah. so I, I never hard. would be able to do that if I wasn't sober, like asking for a raise, like no fucking way, Mm-mm. you know, like yeah, all of, of that stuff like would have never happened to me if I wasn't in sobriety and if I didn't have a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I like opened up a new like my own like private studio and moved back to Brooklyn mm-hmm. and uh, started online dating, which I barely did because yeah. I met my fiance on like the second date I went on. But <laughs> got engaged, got engaged. Yeah. But like point is, yeah, if I was still I would I was just I plateaued. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. I'm, this is fine. I like I like my life. I have a nice apartment. I live by myself. I get fucked up every night, but I'm fine because I'm holding down a job. <laughs> yeah, like you, you make yeah. excuses, but it's like, no, you have a you have a problem. Just your brain's broken. So mm-hmm. and ironically, like both of us grew up without alcohol in the home. Didn't I you? Know. I yeah. didn't have alcohol at home. No, not really. And that's like no. to me so strange that like we both mm-hmm. ended up this way. Yeah, you know? I know. I mm. mean, I definitely have like alcoholism in Same. the family. But again, what even is that? You know, right. like is right. that it's not like diabetes where it's like a mm-hmm. thing that you can see on on paper. Um, no, I just think that like I do things in excess and I have. I don't know when to, I just don't have that little thing. There's like a hole in my brain somewhere where like the normal switch is supposed to be and I don't (laughs) have it. So it's like, and I was diagnosed this year with OCD. So Mm -hmm. like I've been living my entire life with rules and regulations to kind of monitor that switch. And now that I'm aware of that, I've been doing that. (laughs) It's even harder to like impose any sort of self-control because it's like either I'm like militant about it or it's like, fucking free for all so i've been trying i've been like really <laughs> swinging between the two this year of like generalized anxiety i yes. totally understand yes. yeah mm-hmm. so i mean i think that's also kind of why i've been bumped back a little bit in my sobriety because like a lot of my other coping mechanisms of like the rules and regulations and restricting and all of those things have been kind of removed by my therapist and so i've been left to like really process a lot i would say quickly Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm like every week I go in there and I'm like, and then I, this revelation happened when uh-huh. I was nine years old <laughs> because these coping mechanisms are being removed. Like I'm processing yeah. just yeah. a lot more feelings at a more rapid rate, and so yeah. it's just like 
I feel like I get clubbed in the fucking face like every time I go there. But I'm also like my resilience is growing, too. So it's like a, I'm like one of those fucking Bobo dolls. Like, I'm like and I'm back. Like, so it's not it's, like a Jenga tower now. No. It's, like a, yeah, okay. it's like one of those clowns you punch. Mm-hmm. And, now, and then I like pop back up and I'm like, OK, like process that. Like then I come back next week and she punches me in the face again. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's like a new level, a new de- a new devil, I guess. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like. I'm like, Nance, at the end of this, like, <laughs> am I God? Like, what happens? <laughs> like, do I reach, like, this, like, fucking amazing? Am I, like, the rock at the end of this? It's like, not like Scientology. Dwayne? We're like, at yeah. The am I clear? Well, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> that's what get... I mean. Am I clear? Yeah. Like, what happens <laughs> at the end of this? You know? Do I have no, I just have no problems and I'm just like shooting boundaries out? I'll watch I don't know. Am I famous? Like, I'm what happens? I'm still <laughs> how to do boundaries. So, so yeah. That's a hard I one. think, you know, it's just like and it, having an addictive personality is just probably and, and culturally like it's just OK now to like be an asshole and like do all of these things. And like we use our phones, we use drugs, we drink. Yeah. We, you and know, unless you're like on intervention, like you don't have a exactly. Problem. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of those shows lately, <laughs> though. Christ. I mean, like a lot. And it's like so much more. That's what I do when I get home instead of process my feelings. <laughs> take on someone else's. Or like yeah. You take on someone else's yeah. through the TV. I used yeah. to watch that while drinking. No, no. Yeah, it's so bad. Even like some of them, I'm like, oh, I can't. I can't even <laughs> like. Try. It like hits a little too close to home sometimes, and I'm like, Ugh. but like most of the people there, like. Well, the, I mean, a lot of extreme, them, right? Yeah, so, no, like, exactly. That's the thing is, as a culture, you kind of think, well, you're not falling down. To, yeah. Well, okay. You're not drinking mouthwash to like get right. buzz. That's, yeah, yeah. That's and the, it's like that doesn't necessarily mean like that's a very that's far on like. I the saw scale. an episode where someone was a one like drank sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ew. Oh, ew. Bless her. So gross. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that that's another thing is like, it's not so black or white. It's just like, no, there's a lot of in between where, like you said, like binge drinking Mm -hmm. is very big and just, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's like alcoholism doesn't mean one thing. And I think that growing up, you've always kind of like, I always had one, um, like way I imagined it and Mm -hmm. it's not what I am. So, you know, definitely. So, um, you all obviously um, have built a really awesome community and you provide a lot of support to each other. Um, and I know you talk about this on your podcast a little bit, for, but for people who um, don't listen, um, what is um, something that you could suggest to them as one of the best ways to offer support to someone who's getting sober? Oh, yeah. We actually recently did an episode on this because that's a great question. So basically, I think just... Just acknowledging someone's like Struggle. efforts. Yeah, it, it goes a really long way because when you're in, in it and throws of it in the beginning, you feel so alone, mm-hmm. right? Would you agree? Yeah. It's like the loneliest place. Yeah, you're like in bed with pizza. Yeah. Feeling so like just, a shithead. Just being like, hey, like I, not, like I see that you're doing so much work. Like I'm proud of you. Like just saying I'm proud of you goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. Just, um saying like hey you want to grab a bite to eat like just like like invitations to things but really I think any sort of acknowledgement whatsoever that this person's been working on themselves and it doesn't have to be a sober thing yeah you know it could be anything like someone I don't know is going on on antidepressants for the first time or something just be like I see that you're putting the work in you're working on yourself I think that 
we underestimate how much that can mean to someone. Mm-hmm. And I think that I tell people all the time. And I think my friends think I'm like crazy. Um, <laughs> no, but, but it's I so nice. say it all the time to my friends because I am so proud of them for all mm-hmm. the little things that they do. Yeah. I think that's a great it's thing. It's really nice to just be acknowledged sometimes, yeah. you know? And I feel like you like culturally, we feel like dweebs like reaching out and be like, I'm really proud of you. But like yeah. everyone wants, we're all, we're all longing to hear that, right? Like Absolutely. we're all longing for that like sort of validation. Like somebody saw that I'm like, fucking doing this Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's so important i think the other thing too is like what i've learned especially recently with like a family member close to me is like don't do don't expect them to do the legwork like don't be like how can i help instead like maybe come at them with some like i'm proud of you but also like hey i'd love to bring a pizza over and watch whatever x tv show on friday yeah cool with that and like give them the opportunity to say yes or no but like don't make them like when you're getting early sober, like all you do is just you're just tired. Like yeah. you're just exhausted and making more choices is exhausting. Yeah. Especially like under the shame blanket that you're under. Yeah. So I feel like you could reach out to someone and be like, hey, I'd love to bring over 500 White Castles and we <laughs> should, you know, watch the Kardashians. Like that's ideal. I would say yes at any point in time <laughs> to that. And just like give them the opportunity with something presented and don't really expect them to like do the heavy lifting yeah and i think that really applies to like again like anybody like not just people who are getting sober but Mm -hmm. i hear that a lot from people who are in throes of depression or Mm -hmm. anxiety or are lonely or whatever like you had a baby or something right like you can't leave the house like be like hey like can i come over people are like how can i help and then you have to like go through all the things of like how to coordinate this (laughs) person helping you when it's just like nah i'm i like picked you up some toilet paper like everyone needs toilet paper you know like just (laughs) one kind gesture and the only other thing that i can think of is hambone mentioned that he had written a letter to a friend mm-hmm. in recovery and that friend had reached out back and said like, you know, I kept your letter and I read it often that I, I thought that oh, was really yeah, sweet. I forgot of about like, that. Kind of like, I think when you're writing a note to someone, maybe you can oh, express yeah. things that you don't necessarily feel as comfortable saying, like, but putting pen to paper and like writing out. And who doesn't heart- love getting snail mail? Exactly. Like yeah. writing out something heartfelt that someone can kind of read like in the privacy of their own space Actually, on their own schedule. I had someone do that. She wrote me and it's this yes. girl that like barely even knew me. Like we knew each other, but we we never like we weren't homies, you know, mm-hmm. and she wrote me. She had been sober. Mm-hmm. So obviously it came from a different place, but it was the nicest thing. And I kept that on my fridge. And yeah, I read it multiple times because mm-hmm. it was like so sweet. And it it what probably takes like five minutes out of your life to do yeah. something nice like that. But it yeah. can make such an impact on someone who's going going through something. So yeah, sometimes it's call. A, it just takes five minutes. And the yeah. other thing is like, I want people to know that if they drink or don't drink and relapse or not relapse, like I don't care. I still like that person and I'm not judging them in on their path or journey or whatever we're calling it that like. I think sometimes when people relapse or they slip, you kind of slip even deeper into the shame. Yeah, I pulled away. You're afraid to like be like, fuck, this happened. But yeah, I pulled away from you when I was drinking again. Right. You like kind of drifted back. I was ashamed. Yeah. Embarrassed. And rightly and rightly so, like totally have been there. But I think for me, it's been kind of a learning experience to not be quick to judge a person that's like in that struggle. Yeah. And be more neutral and accepting of like 
I don't really care if you drink or if you don't drink. I just want you to know that I love you no matter what. And I think, you know, obviously boundaries can be applied if there's certain situations. But right. like for you, I mean, like we've been friends. I knew that you relapsed. Like I never for a minute was like mad at you or no, ashamed you never of you. Or, dick, you, know. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I always and you I just waited for I, me to come back. Around. I assumed that you were really embarrassed about it. So yeah. I wanted to you to know that, like, obviously you could come talk to me at any point in time. And yeah. Like, I don't care. I only want what's best for her. Like, right. and however long it takes for her to figure that out, like, yeah. we're friends. You know what I mean? Mm. Just don't be oh, a dick. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you guys really enjoyed this interview. I had so much fun talking with Jess and Kate um, and learning about both of their journeys um, in sobriety and their podcasts. Um, if you want to check them out, um, their Instagram is at Seltzer Squad Pod. Um, we'll also post it in the show notes. Um, and if you guys want to reach out to us about anything, you can send us an email at FrauPalPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Podcast and on Facebook at Podcast. Such a long outro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thanks for listening, friends. And remember... Don't be a dick. dick.